0: Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. We want Jesus to be the message in everything we do. We are those who look to him. Now, here's David Perkins. Father, we come before you in the powerful name of Jesus. And God, we do not want to live in just kind of a religious rhythm. Father, we want to, day after day, bend our lives around Jesus and make our decisions around Jesus. And we want Jesus to be the center of our lives. We just confess, God, the ways that we tend to make ourselves number one and kind of put ourselves in the middle at the center. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us put Jesus right at the center. And God, we just ask, I ask for my friends today, I just pray that you would do something afresh. I thank you for the many that have decided to follow you that are in this room. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, cause the word of God to come alive in their hearts. And God, we ask that we as a people, God would, Lord, that your presence would be so near to us because we're seeing just how low can we go. We want to be servants. We want to be humble, like our humble king. So we honor you. We love you. And everyone said amen. James chapter four, verse one, here we go. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Then here's the love language hits us right in the head. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit? that he has made to dwell in us. But verse six, this is our favorite. This is helpful after being called adulterous people, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, painful, but gives grace to the humble. Praise him. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The famous verse eight, draw near to God And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turning to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Big text. James, pastor in Jerusalem here, half-brother of Jesus, straight to the point, cut and dry. He says is there quarreling among you is there is there fighting and what he's saying here is he says these these passions within you that are centered around you produce fighting and quarreling so the aim here in the start of this text is he's aiming at the community of Christ people that he's writing here to the Jews across, that have scattered and there's different communities. And he's saying right at the core, let's calm down the quarreling. How? And he's talking about the why. The reason that it exists is because you've got passions on the inside. quarreling on the, in, uh, quarreling on the outside because of the passions on the inside. So the internal strife, the internal wrestling is creating external wrestling. The internal battle is creating this external battle. So it's this idea that there's there's fighting on the outside because you're fighting for you. You're fighting for your own passions, your own lusts, your own desires burning on the inside. So just ask the question about you. Do you have that? Are you somebody that is always in a fight? Like maybe it's not actually a physical fight, although if it is, like maybe you are one of those people that's ready to just fight at any minute. Maybe you're someone that, in in conversation maybe at work you're real snippy and short and you've got you're just you're ready to you're ready to fight there's a war within you and because there's a war within you there's fighting for you then the way that plays out is there's fighting around you and so you see that in marriages you see that in families and it's this idea it's on the outside there's this external ready to go after it ready to fight ready to quarrel you're bugged you're irritated you're annoyed because at the core, and this is the root, the root is, it's all about me. It's this me-centered living, this me-centered life. And so the root is me. The fruit is fighting. So we see that all the time. And so maybe you've seen it. I know my brother and I, we were at a uh, NBA basketball game. We went to watch the Seattle Supersonics at Key Arena, which tells you how long ago it was. Um, and we were at the game, and, and there was a couple guys that started just yelling at each other. And then the, the fight, the, the quarreling led to uh, an actual fist fight. That, I mean, kicking in the head. I mean, crazy insanity outside of the arena. And Dan and I were standing there in amazement as we watched a massive fight. Why? Well... Because there's something going on in those guys. My guess is, is that one guy cheering for the Sacramento Kings and one guy cheering for the Seattle Supersonics, that there's not enough reason to go kick each other's head in. Like, just realistically, like, doesn't matter if there's what, what, what's going on with my team against your team. If if you're willing to actually, I mean, get beat up, there's, there's, a, there's a greater war going on on the inside that probably led to... Some kind of reason why I'm just going to pop off, hit a trigger, say something on the outside. And we've got James here looking at the body of Christ, looking at believers and saying, if you've got wars going on, right? If you've got quarrels, if you've got fighting on the outside, the root is fighting for me. At the core, I'm just not okay. And so our aim then is to figure out, okay, how? How? How on earth do we get to where we're okay? And he says it right there in verse two. In verse two, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. And what he's saying is, if you would ask God, the God who wants what's best for you, the God who delights in you, the God who has all things, he actually can transform and change your me-centered passions, your me-first living. Your, it's all about the, he can transform the me-first life into the God-first life but it's if you'll ask him in prayer. If you'll come before him in prayer and say, oh God, not my will be done, but your will be done. God, how do you see this situation? God, come, have your way in me. God, be at work in me. Then the war within you, am I gonna have my way? Am I gonna have the money that I want? Am I gonna have the influence that I want? Am I gonna have the comfort that I want? Am I gonna have the applause that I want? Am I gonna have the car that I want? If all of that, Get submitted to, hey, God, you do not have because you do not ask. God, I pray for peace. God, I pray for your will to be done. God, I I give you my life again. Well, man, when you come before God with that, then the, the secret to the Godward life is transformed desire. And when that transformed desire happens, then all of a sudden you become a different person. But it's tempting for you and I to live just like this, where we've got these internal fights going on. We've got uh, we've got wrestling on the inside. Be first, I want to be comfortable. I want to be recognized. I want to be encouraged. I want to be applauded. I want people to notice me. Me 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 and it plays out in our marriage. It plays out in our family. It plays out at work. It can play out it can play out on the ball field. It can it can, it can come out sitting at the game. And so you and I we we want to get at the core right here. Okay, God. Do a work inside of me. I know for me, the Renata and I, um, the first time we ever had a quarrel. I mean, I'm, I'm as a married couple, we'd been married for about four months, and um, and this is like a, our biggest quarrel so far. Like, we was we were in San Francisco, and uh, and we were out on Pier Thirty Nine at Fisherman's Wharf, and I am a seafood lover. Like I just, I like seafood. Uh, My whole childhood, we didn't eat seafood. I didn't really know what it was until I was a grown up. And once I found it and discovered it, it was like discovering treasure. And I'm, I just love it. I just, I think it's the best. It's my favorite thing. And so um, we, I was 23 years old. Renata was 23 years old and we were on Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. And I was teaching a session that morning and a session that night. And so I said, Hey baby, let's spend the afternoon at Fisherman's Pier 39. Let's go. And so we're there and I'm already in my head planning out the greatest lunch you can imagine. And I'm thinking about what I'm going to purchase and we get there. Now, my wife was born in Wichita. She grew up in Oklahoma and she is a Midwestern eater like I have never known. And what that means is is that she hates seafood. And so uh, I looked at her and I said, hey, you know, let's, 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 go, let's go, go do this. Let's get some seafood. And she said, I want chicken. And I'm 23 and she's 23 and we've been married for about three and a half months. And I looked at her and I said, chicken? Like we are on the ocean. We're in San Francisco. Look around, smell. This is ama- This is paradise. Wait, I do not want to eat. She said, I hate seafood. I said, I love seafood. She said, I want chicken. And I had quarrels and angst and rage on the inside. And I looked at Renata and said this phrase that forever marked our first fight. Do you mean to tell me that I'm going to go the rest of my life and never eat seafood again? And she began to cry. Yeah, true story. And the truth is, is that what was going on inside me at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I know the Jesus way. I, I mean, I was preaching that night. I knew the best thing to do was to say, God, help me to serve my wife, but I did not Sir, I wanted seafood. We ate chicken, but I did not have a happy spirit that day. I still talk about it right now. I'm still repenting. In fact, let's just go ahead back on my knees again. All right. But here's the idea. You and I have this all the time. We have over and over again, where, where we're making this choice, is this going to be about me? Or will I allow God to do his work? And James says there, verse two, he goes, all right, so, so you come to God and you have not because you ask not. So we come before God and we pray. And then he says in verse three, and this is what's really hard. He says, and you actually pray amiss because you're praying out of your own passions. Here's what he's saying. Even when you pray, it's still about you rather than about God. So your prayers are messed up because why? Because your prayers are still about your own desires and your own wants instead of God, what is your desire? What do you want? And so you've got Pastor James here, pastor leading a church in Jerusalem, and he's saying your prayers even, your prayers can't be about you be transformed. And the secret to fulfillment. The secret to you and I actually living a life that A doesn't have the fights, but B actually lives at peace is this idea that we have transformed desires. We come before God, and He's saying the only one who can fulfill those passions that are in you is God. So you'll spend your whole life. I'm going to have the influence I want, or I'm going to have the picket. I don't know what your thing is. you know I'm going to have the house that I want, or I'm, I'm going to drive a car that has less than 300,000 miles on it one day. I mean, I, whatever is your, and you can have that and, and God's saying, transformed. And as hard as it is, the dream is you come before God. and it's not a me-centered life. It's a God-centered life. When that transformation starts to happen, when you start to actually delight yourself in the Lord, that's the way it says it in Psalms. Delight yourself in God. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We tend to think of that like, all right, come to God, and God will give me my dream. But the idea is delight yourself in the Lord. Delight Yourself, His desires, the Godward way, what God loves, what God desires, what's in God's heart. Delight yourself. Make your your whole life about what God is about, who He is, and what He's about. And your desires will actually change. Your wants will actually change because when you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires start to become His desires. So it's we 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 get everything transformed on the inside. So. We get what we want because we want what God wants us to want. So his desires get in us and we start wanting what he wants and and we're transformed. I'll say it this way. Uh, About seven or eight years ago, um, I was early 30s and um, invited to come be on the board of a missions organization. And and I went to the very first board meeting and um, it was super, super nice. And I got there and I was... A little bit surprised when I walked in and, and the next youngest board member was 30 years my senior. <laughs> and so I walked in in skinny jeans and kind of, what's up, baby? And looked around and it was like everybody like in suits with vests and white hair and parted. And I was like, is this my people? You know, like am I in the right place? And and uh and so, you know, I, but, but, but I, knew, I, I knew it was like cool and I would prayed about it and thought I wanted to do it, but, but everything wasn't connecting in my brain yet. I knew it was a good thing. And so within the first 10 minutes, this is a true story, a little bit embarrassing, but for the sake of preaching, I'll go ahead and humble myself yet again. Uh, I, I looked at the, the board member who was sitting next to me and I just said, hey man, um, so like why do we do this? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I mean, I, this whole board thing, like I don't know that I get it. I was like, I mean, we don't get paid for it. It's going to take two days. Like, I like that there's coffee and donuts, but what what do we get out of this? And this was his response. He goes, oh, we get the privilege of being a part because they're doing the Great Commission, and we care about the Great Commission. And I was like, ah, got it, got it. And here's what he was saying. You delight yourself in what this thing's about, and it's actually not about you and the donuts that you get, or the reward that you get, what's it about? It's about the joy, the privilege, the honor of what this thing's about. It's transformed desire. I came in me-centered, and then he kinda beat me over the head and helped me understand what it looks like to be a little bit more great commission-centered. And here's the idea for you and me. We come in, and we start off me-centered. Man, it's all about me. The temptation is to perpetually live in that zone where it's always about me. And here's Pastor James, and he's saying, you want to know the reason why there's fighting among you? You want to know why there's perpetual tension, why why there's quarrels and conflicts? At the court? at the very center, is this is about you living that you-centered life. And so our dream is to come before God. God, change me transform me. And we lift up our prayers, not God, give me what I want, but more God, make me like you. And as you pray that prayer, as you actually ask, you do not have because you do not ask and you say, God, and it does a lot of times when the me centered stuff is so in there, it's hard to step into the asking God for the right things. Cause it, there's so much desire for you. It's even hard to just say, God, let me, Love like you love. Let me be humble like you're humble. Let me have peace in my heart like there's peace in your. God, your will be done. God, because there's so much traffic around trying to get all the things that you want. But what happens over time is when we come before God, we're transformed as we come before him in this place of prayer, crying out to him. And he actually shifts our desires, transforms our desires to where we actually care more about him than we care about us. And I'll tell you this, just a little bit. 17 years later, truth is, now, when Renata and I go out on date night, I know where the best desserts are because it's my passion to find the restaurant with the best Midwestern burgers. And I like to find chocolate, which is what Renata likes, right? And Renata, He's like always saying, hey, let's go out for seafood, as long as they have two things, like seafood and something. No, i was just kidding. Uh, and the, the, there's, this, there's this growth where there's this, hey, let's, let's fight for each other. And it's like that as you come before God. You will, you will, over time, have your desires transformed where you care, where I care, where we care about what he cares about, not living in that perpetual battle of, man, this is all about me, trying to figure out what I can get. So the second idea I want you to get is this, you will, choose, uh, will you choose friendship with the world or friendship with God? And that's what James goes into next. He says, you adulterous people, and that's because he's saying you, you, you claim that you're God's people, but you're still fighting for yourself. You, you're claiming God-centered, but you're actually still living me-centered. So he says, logically, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? I was wrestling with this idea this week, this become an enemy of God. And this idea when you love the world, when you are friends with the world, like you're befriending, instead of befriending God, you're befriending the world. And when you've got that, become an enemy of god and of course my my favorite text is that god is love and that god loves us and i'm wrestling this week with this idea because god is saying hey if you are if you're if you're friends with the world if you if you choose friendship with the world and obviously we know when he says friend with the world it's it's not saying that you are choose to be friends with people who don't follow Jesus. We know that we're actually commanded by Jesus to go into the world and to make disciples, to actually develop relationship with people that don't know Jesus is something that we're commanded to do. Now, he's talking about when you actually value what the world values. He's saying when the worldly values become what you value, that's when you become an enemy of God. And here's the big idea you have a father that so loves you and loves his creation, people that he has made for relationship with him, that when you value the things that he, that actually hurts people, pride, lust, greed, violent, when you love the things that he's against, well, that's when you have put yourself into becoming an enemy of God. It's kind of like this. We had... uh, a number of years ago, five, four years ago when Dawson was eight years old, my son, uh, we had a park right by our house in Colorado and Dawson would go play basketball at the park and, and uh, he started playing with this other eight-year-old kid, and neighbor kid, and they started playing all the time and I personally was really excited uh, that there was another buddy for Dawson to go play with and loved that, loved the whole idea of that until in one of our times where I would sit with my son every week and he started telling me some ideas and some thoughts. And I looked at him and I said, where are you learning those ideas? And and where did you learn that word? And where are you getting these concepts? And he began to tell me about the kid at the park who was telling him these ideas. And when he was telling me those things, I had a big investment in that boy. That son Dawson of mine, man, I mean, my... My, my life is all mixed up in that boy knowing God and that boy being taken care of and that boy just really walking with Jesus and knowing and I wanna protect that and I got a vision for that and when all of a sudden, this other kid came along and he was injecting ideas into my boy that I knew would hurt my son. You wanna know what? The eight-year-old park boy became my enemy no joke. Like, son, you are not, you are not going there. And there is a time where we send, where we go into the world and we influence people. But man, when that kid was influencing my son in a way that was going to hurt my boy, then all of a sudden that boy put himself at being an enemy with Dawson's dad. And here's the big idea. When you put yourself where you say, you put one foot in the world and you say, yeah, I value the me-centered worldly values, and one where you say, oh, and I'm doing the God thing, James goes, you adulterous people. That's just, no, that's not it. You're an enemy. You're an enemy of God. It's harsh language, but it's a reality. And so the vision is that you reject the adultery, adultery, the, the wrong relationship, and you turn And you go towards him. And he starts to lay that out. He starts to lay that as we move forward. He starts to give some specific ways that we actually develop relationship with him. And I want to keep going in verse 5. He says this, but he gives more, sorry, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Good reason to get on our face before God. Get on our face to actually, he kind of gives some steps towards verse 10 where it ends in humility. And he gives these things. He says, first, submit yourself to God. Submit to God. This is just kind of a lordship thing. God, I'm under you. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not the center. I'm not number one. You're number one, right? Exodus 20, from the very beginning, 10 commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. God, I'm not God. You're God. Our whole culture our own passions, worldly desires, constantly saying, you be number one, you live for you. This is a perpetual battle and a daily decision where we're saying, nope, I'm not gonna do that. God, I submit myself to you. I'm under you. You're God, I'm not. And I just like to say, if, if, if he's not Lord of all, you've heard this 10,000 times, and if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, And this lordship thing is so, so the constant challenge on our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays as we go through our week. Really easy to sing and talk about on Sundays, but man, is this hard to live out on Friday afternoon. But it's come in before God. God, I want this, so I submit my life to you. And then look at this, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I want you to get where you actually believe that. I love the story about... A man who came to Charles Finney and said, I don't believe in the existence of a devil. Don't you, said Charles Finney? Well, resist him a while and you will believe. (laughs) And you and I, we tend to just kind of live like, I don't know, it's kind of a small thing, the devil. I'm not sure what I think. Man, here is a promise from Pastor James saying if you will resist the devil, I mean resist, that he will flee. And so I wanna invite you, on this Sunday, to get a vision, not of tolerating a little devil that you're not even sure how much he's around in your life, but for you to know that Peter, verse Peter 5 he says very clearly, he's a roaring lion. The devil's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he's after you, and I want you to get a vision of a devil on the run on the run, that you have resisted, and he's fleeing from you. Because here's what Jesus said. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority. He's already lived perfectly, died on a cross, forever defeated the enemy. And then he shows up to his followers, his disciples, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, as a result, because of that, because I have all authority, therefore, followers, disciples, you go and make disciples of all nations. Here's the reality. Jesus has all authority. And when you step into your authority in Christ, the enemy must flee. Like, get a vision of you stepping into situations and... Resisting the devil and the devil fleeing. Like a vision in my house with my wife and my kids or my spouse or what No, we're gonna resist. We're gonna resist the enemy, and the enemy must flee. I want you to get James. I when I picture James, James is so forceful. Like he's here, he's not saying, dearly beloved, like John, you know, dearly beloved, and it's all nice. James is just like you know, fiery here. But I just picture this guy who's just like, he's, resi- he's kind of like got some grit. Like resist the devil and he will flee. And man, I just want that to rise up in us a little bit more. Like, yeah, he's gonna, we're going to resist. He's going to flee. And then look at this one. I mean, James just keeps right at it where he says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Now, to get that authority, I want to invite you to actually talk about, say it, think about the authority that Christ has given you. And when you've got that, you'll walk in it. My daughter Olivia, um, she's eleven, and uh, she is she's a, she's 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 a little leader. She's eleven, going on twenty one, and um, she like right now, like she's you know she she loves working uh, in Radiant Kids, and she loves serving back there, and. And she's just she's just acting. She's just running the place like you know, like she's in her twenties. And, and and here's the reality: she's a hard worker. And so, um, one of the things that I'll say to Olivia sometimes is, I'll say, "Hey Olivia, I want to ask you to go have the kids clean the kitchen or clean their rooms." Now, here's what happens: Olivia will run the place, and when I come back, I can promise you this: Olivia has made it happen right? Because Olivia will say, hey, everybody, dad said. So everybody, we call it a kitchen chore. Everybody do your kitchen chore. And Olivia is running the place. I mean, it's happening. Kitchen's going to be clean. But if I don't tell Olivia, if Olivia on Olivia's authority starts trying to rally Dawson to go do his kitchen chore, good luck. If she's trying to get Adeline to work Just because she's Olivia and she's 11 and she wants you to do it, no chance. Those kids will look at Olivia and be like, "Ah, yeah, right. Here's what brings the authority, dad said. Mm, Then all of a sudden, Olivia's walking in, dad's authority, right? And here's what I want you to get. You have, you've been given a gift. You say yes to the finished work of Jesus. You're a follower. Man, you walk in some serious authority, and so resist and let the devil flee. Just get him out and have that fight, that grit, that James kind of fight inside of you that, that you're just not going to have it. Like, it's just, I'm going to fight. I'm going to resist the enemy. Then verse 8, and of course, this is the famous one. This is the one that, you know, is quoted quite often. And I love it because it's a promise where James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just take that this week. And I want to invite you just to take, we'll end there with verse eight. uh, And just make that your verse for the week. God, I'm drawing near to you. Here's the idea. You're making this choice. I'm going to take a step towards God. And as you draw near to God, you can take this as a promise that God, the God who has already drawn near, who already loves you, who already sent his son, who already sent the Holy Spirit, who delight, that God, he will continue to draw near to you. So you take just your little baby step towards God and he goes, I'll take a giant step towards you. You just go, I had a crazy week. Man, on this day, I've got so much, but God, I'm going to take these 20 minutes, and God, I'm going to draw near, and I'm going to open up the word of God. I'm going to read James 5, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to forgive my enemies, and I'm going to get all the interior traffic out of my heart, and I'm going to forgive instead of trying to reciprocate with anger. I'm going to get all that, and I'm going to draw near. I'm going to come close to God, and he goes, boom, I'll draw near to you. I'll be at work in your life. It's like we take this little ant, like an ant-sized step, and God takes like this massive elephant-sized step back. Not that He steps on you or squashes you. That's not the illustration. It's the illustration that He has a big step and He comes closer to you. You take your little tiny ant step. I'm just—it's all I got. God, it's just man. I'm driving in the car and this guy just screaming at me in traffic. And that's my my moment where the interior traffic would cause me to yell back at him. But instead, boom, I don't feel it, but I bless. and, And then I pray for him. That is going against all the worldly ways and going with the Jesus way. And it is a form of, I am drawn near to God. Just day after day, God help me because my temptation is to be quickly irritated, to always have a reason why it's okay for me to have the fights, the quarrels, all that stuff going on around me. Pastor James is going, no, 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 no. Let's get down to the root. You get down to the root. Bring it back to that prayer life before God. And God, I'm going to ask for peace. And I ask for love. And I ask for kindness. And I ask for your grace. And I ask for your spirit. And And not asking amiss, not verse three, asking for what you want, but asking for what God wants. And not living the me-centered life that's all about me and kind of ends up where I'm kind of like an, an adulterous relationship where I'm claiming one thing, but I'm actually living for me. No, I'm turning on that and I submit myself to God and I resist the devil and he must flee. And then I draw near to God and he takes that big step towards me when I take that little step towards him. And here's what happens. You start to have those earthly passions those me passions those worldly passions that is always at war they start to get pushed out with with god passions because you've delighted yourself in the lord and he's giving you the desire of your heart but the desire of your heart is his heart and it's like a balloon it's like it starts off and you've got all this that is my own passions and my own worldly passions. And the, the, the God part is this little tiny balloon. But as you pray and ask God and do this over and over again, you start to, you start to have that balloon just take up more and more space in your heart. And it pushes out those other things, those otherworldly things. And before too long, man, what God cares about is what I care about. The the things that are on his heart, that's what's on my heart. And all the things that used to drive you insane and fly off the handle and be angry and upset and fight in the church and fight in marriage and fight in the family, all those things decrease. And the passion for God increases. And we start to look a lot more like Jesus, amen? Amen. Let's take a moment, let's just draw near to God. Would you just stand with me? And I just wanna invite you just, We just confess to the Lord, God. This is a, this is some this 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 bitterness in me, this greed, this just this rage, this victim mentality, this perpetual fear, this love of money, this love of pleasure, whatever it is, you know. Just, we take just a moment between you and the Lord. Will you just draw near to Him? Just confess it to Him, God. I don't want that in my life. it to you god you have not because you ask not so today i'd like to invite you to ask oh god give me your peace oh god let me love like you love
1: Oh god help me
0: forgive god help me to care Just draw near to God. Just take a little baby step. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we, God, as as little baby church, just getting started. Lord, would you help us to look like you? God, would we not have quarrels, fighting? Man, would we be a people Marked by peace. The passions that are in us look like passions of God's heart. We draw near to you, God. We love you. I want to invite you today. I don't know, maybe there's someone here that not decided to follow Jesus before. Maybe there's people here that you just, there was a season where you were going after God and you haven't been, you've been living for you. And you just wanna realign your heart. You wanna just make this statement to God today. God, I want you to be number one. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Not the me-centered way, but the the God-centered way. I I want God. If you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus today, I just want you just to remain right where you're at and just repeat this prayer after me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you that he lived a life I could not live. I ask that you would come and save me, forgive me, heal me, change me. I desire to spend eternity with you. I give you my life, and I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To learn more and to join our Radiant family, check us out on social media and online at radiantchurchkc.com.